Welcome to the Anchor Room Podcast. All right, Pete. Well, you know, we always start this with the, the most important question of the day. Um, it is fall season. All things fall here in Virginia. It is. And so as an opening question, what is one of your favorite things about the fall? Mm. You know, I love the changing of the color of the leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The older I get, the more I have learned and grown to appreciate trees. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just love looking at beautiful trees. And I think, man, what a display of the glory of God as they uh, change colors. Yeah. And, yeah. So I, and I love the crunch of a leaf yeah, under right. your feet. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. There's something about that. It's satisfying and yeah. soothing. All the same Especially time. when you're raking piles of them on your yard. <laughs> <laughs> Only if I can jump in them at the end. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, raking leaves this uh, past weekend and I found a little snake. So Ooh. yeah, I am very snake averse for those that don't know. So. I am as well. So that, <laughs> yeah. that will make me paranoid for a little bit now. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I appreciate the leaves, the, the changing of the fall colors as well. I grew up in the New Orleans area, so we only had hurricane season and summer season. Uh, I didn't really get to appreciate, you know, the changing of the seasons like we have here in Virginia. So we live in a very beautiful state. I'm really fortunate we do. Uh, to live here. Um, so yeah, great. Well, let's get into uh, the topic of today. Um, so this past week, uh, Pete, you talked about Revelation 12, and and this is a chapter that again brings a lot of very vivid symbolic imagery. And I know you unpacked a little bit here about what the woman and the dragon represent in this chapter, but I just want, thought we could start by giving you a few moments to maybe expand a little more on some other details that. Um, you didn't get to this past Monday. So, yeah, tell us a little bit more about these images that we observe in Revelation 12 and how we can interpret slash apply them in our current lives. Yeah, you know, it, it gives us a picture of the woman, which represents Israel on, on in the Old Testament. And then as the story moves on about uh, the dragon being chased, chasing the woman into the wilderness, mm-hmm. um, speaking of the people of God in the mm-hmm. New Testament. So this is where... Uh, it speaks to us as the church. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, I, I was thinking about the Old Testament of how the dragon was pursuing uh, the woman, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Israel, which is described as um, radiant like the sun and standing on the moon and and uh, 12 stars in the crown, which is all imagery, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. from the, the dream of Joseph, right? right, right. And so it's a picture that's, um, that, that, that the dragon is now waiting for the the promised child to be born mm-hmm. for the Messiah to be born so he can devour it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have time to go into it last night, but how that picture sets a little bit of, or maybe a lot of bit actually, of, of the narrative of the Old Testament. Because mm-hmm. in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, um, God pronounces the curses. Right. And um, the curse that he, he gives the serpent is that, um, that, that he would put enmity mm-hmm. between um, the serpent and the woman, between his offspring and hers, and he will crush your head, being that the offspring of mm-hmm. the woman will crush the head of the serpent, and you will strike his heel. Mm-hmm. And so it's speaking, it's a it's called the Proto-Evangelon, the first right, time that right. the gospel is mentioned in the Old Testament, um, of the plan of how God will redeem, and that that redemption and the ultimate defeat of the serpent will come from the seed of a woman, 
mm-hmm. who the offspring of a woman, and this one that would come would ultimately crush the head of the serpent, but in the process have his heels struck. In mm-hmm. other words, there will be victory, but the victory will come at a cost. Yeah. So the serpent knows that one is going to come that would d- crush his head. And mm-hmm. so then we see in chapter 12 of Genesis that Abram is the one who the, uh, who's going to bring the messianic line that then turns into Israel. And what we see throughout the entirety of the Old Testament is this, that the serpent is bent on either corrupting the seed or destroying the seed. Mm. And so the, the serpent is doing whatever right. he can to corrupt the seed, to cause the seed to be unfaithful to God, to have it go sideways, if you will, so the lineage if, mm-hmm. um, to go sideways, or to destroy the lineage that the one who would crush his head would come from. And so mm-hmm. we see yeah. this um, throughout the Old Testament from... Um, the enslavement of God's people in Egypt. Yeah, right. And, and of course, right. the dragon is behind that. Now, God and yeah. his sovereignty is going to use it, mm-hmm. but the, the dragon wants to destroy God's people. Yeah. So then, I mean, even think about Esther's story where mm-hmm. um, the, the the people of Israel are about ready to right. uh, be slaughtered. Right. And God raises up Esther yes. for such a time as this to yeah. save the lineage, to save mm-hmm. the, the line of the people of Israel, the the, the people of God of the Old Testament. And yeah. so the point is, and the dragon was behind that attempt. Mm-hmm, and so there's mm-hmm. throughout the Bible, we see that the dragon is behind the attempt to either cause mm-hmm. the people of God to go sideways outside of God's intent mm-hmm. or to destroy the mm-hmm. seed that would ultimately bring defeat. So this cosmic battle that we yeah. have going on below the surface of the Old Testament. Right. But then when we come to the New Testament, we see that that battle starts to um, yeah. play out. Um, one with Jesus and uh-huh, the right. attempt of Herod to right. to kill Jesus, yeah, and then finally in the church that the that the the dragon rages mm-hmm, against mm-hmm. the church, which we talked. About. Yeah, and, and you know, as you're describing all this, one of the thing that one of the things that I'm reminded of is that it's important that we not look at at this chapter and think it's it's necessarily. Uh, describing something in a in a specific chronological order, you know, we're right. we're in Revelation twelve, and so we think, okay, maybe like this is the next part of what's going on, you know, or, or it's. But what it's really describing is this symbolic nature of the conflict between uh, the evil one, God's people, and and God's uh, savior, Jesus, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. yeah, it's describing this conflict that in in. In essence, like you described, began all the way in Genesis, right? And and here it's just a symbolic representation of that conflict that John sees in this vision. That's right. And so we get this picture of the larger story that we're a part mm-hmm. of. Yeah, how Jesus has already won the victory, right. as we talked about, and now we fight the battle from a posture of victory, right? Not for victory, but from victory. Yes, um, as we battle the defeated foe right. because Jesus has already defeated him. So it gives us a context for mm-hmm. our lives. And, um, you know, spiritual warfare is one of those things that um, is throughout the Bible, but we tend to underestimate mm-hmm. at times um, mm-hmm. that there is this um, subplot of the battle yeah. of the defeated foe against the people of God and um, to bring as much destruction, as much chaos right. in, in the world as he can bring. Mm-hmm. And it's good for us to understand that there is another layer to our stories. Mm-hmm. In fact, one thing that I would, I don't know if uh, we necessarily talked about this, but I've often thought about Ephesians chapter 6, where we get mm-hmm. some of the um, more uh, 
didactic, meaning instructional teaching on mm-hmm. spiritual warfare. And it says something that's very interesting that we've maybe heard if we've read the Bible. It says this, that um, for we do not wrestle with flesh mm-hmm. and blood, but powers and principalities yeah, of this right. dark age. That's a, some, my summary of that. But in other words... We don't just wrestle with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities mm-hmm. of, of the kingdom of darkness that are involved. And, and I've always wondered, why does he say, oh, remember, you don't wrestle just with flesh and blood? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's chapter 6 of Ephesians. Chapter 5 of Ephesians mm-hmm. is all about what redeemed relationships look like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he's saying, in your relationships, when you hit relational strife, when you hit these difficult times, remember that you don't just wrestle with flesh and blood, but mm-hmm. there are powers and principalities right. that are attacking your relationships. I heard it said one time, Rigo, mm. that um, that Jesus is the ultimate R positive to relationships, yeah. and Satan is the ultimate R negative to relationships. Mm. And so the point being is how does it change our relationships mm-hmm. when we realize that the enemy wants to sabotage yeah. our relationships? He wants to destroy homes. Right. He wants to destroy Chi Alpha houses. He wants to destroy communities. Mm-hmm. He wants to um, come and bring division and um, animosity and bitterness. And so, I've, I mean, I've sat with people who were having trouble with their parents, and I said, mm-hmm. how does it change the way you view your strife with your parents if yeah. you understand that the enemy wants to divide right. you and your parents? Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, now yeah. we can be on the same team and say, no, the devil's not going to win. We're not going to let the powers of darkness win in our relationship, but we can be shoulder to shoulder mm-hmm. in this instead mm-hmm. of at each other. Because of, when we understand the, the powers of darkness wanting to take down yeah. our relationships, we can handle it differently and understand who the real enemy is. Right. Our enemy is not our parents. If if it's a parental issue, the enemy is the enemy. Yeah, right. And that our parents are actually blessings mm-hmm. and you know, sources of yeah. Uh, yeah. And and it also it, it also reminds me of the the gospel imperative to pray for our enemies, right? That there's this mm-hmm. biblical uh mandate that we have that right don't don't just pray for the people that love you and would pray back for you, but even pray for those people you would consider enemies in this world. And, and almost as if it's like a, a reflection that, yeah, there's like a, a spiritual warfare, a, a, a divide that the enemy is, that the enemy as in the devil is seeking to bring a division between the relationships. And, and so it's not just about winning over your enemy, but also praying for whatever plans and attempts the devil is trying to bring in and sowing division and discord between us and, and each other. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think that we would do well to understand there are spiritual dynamics, even in our relationships, something is, can seem so quote unquote natural, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, that can be at play. We would do well to respond with um, spiritual tools mm-hmm. and not just yeah. natural tools. In right. other words, to take it in prayer yeah. and ask God to um, bring a breakthrough, yeah. right? And then to understand that it's, um, yeah, it can bring reconciliation right. so much faster and um, understand that, uh, yeah, we don't wrestle just with flesh and blood, but yeah. there's Definitely. powers and principalities that want to destroy. If relationships are so key to our lives, it makes sense that he'd yes. want to go for those relationships. Yeah, you know? definitely. Recon- reconciliation goes better. Uh, definitely when I pray after, uh, um, I pray and then I come back and repent to my wife of mm-hmm. all the things I didn't mm-hmm. do that she expected me to do. And so, yeah, I know firsthand, um, in a lot of cases, 
Um, and often it's just, you know, entering the conversation with a, a humility that is rooted in the love of the father, um, yeah. as you enter those, yeah. those situations. Well, Pete, another thing that you, um, illustrated and, and I really appreciated this illustration cause I'm a, a bit of a world war II history buff is the illustration of the, the now and the not yet aspect of the kingdom of God, uh, through, um, this world war II illustration of D-Day that many historians agree that, uh, D-Day was that, uh, the Allies won the war on D-Day, and right. at that point, it was just a matter of getting to the heart of Germany and um, triumphing over the Axis powers. And so, even though there were still many battles that incur- that had to occur after D-Day, the battle was already won by the Allies at that point. Um, and so, yeah, um, we talked. Uh, you talked a lot about how there will still be battles to fight. There will still be pains and afflictions that we go through. Mm -hmm. Um, And you even talked about the, um, the martyrdom of the Bishop of Polycarp. And so I'd love to maybe uh, talk a little bit about what you think that can look like uh, in our modern day. Cause uh, obviously in in modern uh, countries and, and, you know, Christians aren't being burned at the stake or, you know, right. uh, torn apart by beasts, you right. know, yeah. but what, how can we experience the now and the not yet part of the kingdom and do it well in light of what we see here in scripture? Yeah. So this idea that the kingdom of God has been inaugurated by the um, death, burial and resurrection of Jesus and well, his incarnation, mm-hmm. death, burial and resurrection, yeah. that redemption has taken place. We have triumphed. It's past tense. And yet there's a part that we look forward to the consummation of that kingdom. Mm-hmm. And we live in the wilderness in between it. And, you know, there's a couple different ways that this plays out. Um, One, it can play out in our own sanctification, right? That Mm -hmm. we have been redeemed and yet we are not perfected yet, right? And yet we seek to be um, transformed into the image of Christ. And so um, it it can, so there's a, a now that we have been changed. We have the life of the spirit in us. And so our lives are markedly different because of mm-hmm. Jesus in our lives and the power of the spirit in our lives. And yet we are not perfect. And so we still have to come back and repent, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and apologize to, um, to those that are near us. And, right. we, and we wrestle with the now and not yet, longing for the day mm-hmm. when um, we are... Um, totally sanctified and totally conformed into the image of Christ. Yeah. Um, and so there's the now and not yetness of our sanctification. Yet it doesn't make us lazy. We mm-hmm. continue to pursue Absolutely. as much sanctific- right. sanctification as we can. Right. It doesn't make us um, just light on our own sin. Right. But it does give us a sense that our perfection is awaiting. Absolutely. Right. That, right. that um, yeah. we will be glorified. Um, yes. Ultimately, um, as we, you know, when Jesus comes back, we will enter into uh, the total totality of our mm-hmm. redemption. But it also, um, we face it in the brokenness of this world in so many different ways. You know, yeah. um, here I am a person who believes in miracles. I shared a mm-hmm. story of last night yeah. of one of our alum right. who has a state, had, had stage four cancer mm-hmm. and was given a minuscule possibility of survival. Right. And yeah. Amy and I, before she started uh, her chemo, we went up to Northern Virginia and anointed her with oil and prayed the prayer of faith over her mm-hmm. and asked God to right, heal her. Right. And um, wow, there are probably thousands of people who did the same thing, mm-hmm. praying for her, praying for her healing. And by God's grace and the Spirit's power, 
they got the report that she is now cancer free. Yeah. You know, and it's just and we say praise God. Yeah, yeah praise definitely. God for that. Yeah. At the same so point, awesome. so that's a kingdom now, right? That that right. Um, God is doing good work um, mm-hmm. through the power of His Spirit in yeah. our world, and He's healing people now. And yet, at the same point, I also have a friend. Mm-hmm. Right now, who has a similar diagnosis of stage four cancer, mm-hmm. and I'm praying for him. Yeah. But it, both of those remind me of my own sister who had yeah. um, stage four colon cancer, the same yeah, type of cancer. Right, right. Who ultimately went to be with Jesus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so there's this now and not yet, right? That yeah. um, God heals, but people still die, right? right? Yeah. And, and so we live in this time, this now and not yet, sometimes can be a time of ambiguity yeah. where we are to trust God, we are to pray for in faith yeah. and ask God for, um, for, uh, for his healing, and yet at the same point understand um, that, uh, that some people are not going to, um, yeah. to, to, to be healed and that their ultimate healing will not be on this side of eternity. But, yeah. Uh, and so... There's this ambiguity that sometimes we we see, and I, I'm reminded, you know, as Polycarp in the midst of facing the not yet mm-hmm. of the kingdom, I'm reminded Definitely. of my sister's story um, when it was the morning that I was woken up, saying um, my mom was calling for me, saying Pete, I need you, and mm. we had to call the uh, the the ambulance, and they picked up my sister and took her to the hospital, and. We were told that she had basically hours to live. Mm. And while we were in the room of the emergency room before they mm-hmm. trans, um, you know, moved her to another room, transferred her to another room, um, she, is, she said, let's sing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we started singing. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And my sister in wow, her shallow yeah. breasts would say, Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Mm. And here's my sister, mm-hmm. who's on her deathbed, 17 years old, mm-hmm. getting ready to step into eternity that day, mm. who, by the grace of God and the Spirit's power, um, in the kingdom that was now, had mm. the strength to glorify Jesus, even in the midst of her final hours mm-hmm. before she stepped into the culmination of her salvation. Yeah. yeah right. Um, yeah. And, and being with Jesus. Well, I shouldn't say culmination to the next stage. Yeah. Culmination will ultimately be the resurrection. Right. right? That's right. when, yeah. but um, stepped into the presence of Jesus unmediated mm-hmm. and stepped into her inheritance in that sense. And there's this grittiness of living in the now and not yet that yes. even in, in that moment when you are, like my sister Katie, um, literally in her last hour, she could um, praise God and glorify God and mm. trust God, even in her suffering as she faced the not yet because yeah. she knew the power of the kingdom that right. was now, of yeah. the redemption and the grace and the Spirit's presence and power in her life that yeah. sustained her. And and so... Um, yeah. yeah. So I'd love to, yeah. I mean, first of all, thanks for sharing that. I think that's such a powerful story and testament of, you know, Lord's work in, in someone's life. Um, but yeah, I'd love to ask you personally what that did within you as mm-hmm. you were there witnessing such tremendous faith and courage in the midst of so much pain and suffering. Yeah. You know, I felt probably a little bit like the people who witnessed the death of Polycarp, mm. that it was a holy moment. Mm. Yeah. There was... 
was it tragic? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I never thought I would, you know, be a part of seeing my 17-year-old um, sister die, yeah. right? Um, but it was also holy. There was a sense of God's grace and presence there that, that people who saw Polycarp burned, they said mm-hmm. that um, it was more like watching bread be baked or gold be refined. There was something about it that was, mm. that his faithfulness in it was so that gave glory to God. And as I watched my sister take her last breath, there was a, a, a grace that was there. Mm. And you would think that you would want to get out of the room as, as soon as possible. But there were, I just sat there um, because it was just, there, there, it, there was just something holy about seeing mm-hmm. somebody faithful yeah. even to their last breath and s- just sense the grace of God in that moment. And so was it difficult? Absolutely, it, it was difficult. Has it been difficult for my family? Absolutely. But there was also this sense of God's grace um, giving her strength and giving us strength yeah. as well in that moment. Yeah, yeah. And you know, um, it didn't it didn't rattle my faith in in Jesus personally because I already knew that the kingdom is now, but not yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when people think that it's all now, mm-hmm. and then something like that happens, and you you don't have space for it in your yeah, faith, right. right? Right. Because somehow God failed, right? But when you understand that the kingdom is now, and we live in His redemption and the goodness of the Spirit today, and yet there's a not yet aspect, mm-hmm. then you have space for right. these things to happen, and you and it is a wilderness of sorts. And right. there's two things that happen in the wilderness. The wilderness is hard. It was yes. It was a, a trial for the Israelites. They, you mm-hmm. know, it, but at the same point. And the wilderness is where they also learned to trust God. Yeah. It was where God gave them manna from heaven, where he led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night, where they really started to learn what it meant to follow him and to trust him. Mm-hmm. And so on one side, it was grueling and difficult and hard. On the other side, they um, in the wilderness, God showed himself to them. And, mm-hmm. and so in this now and not yet season, there are difficulties. As I said last night, yeah. it's gritty. It's a gritty life of faith yes. where you're still in a gritty battle and you know it's gritty obedience. But then yeah. there's also this side where you trust him more. Right. You, you start to see his goodness and grace in the midst of the trials and the right. testing in the midst of the wilderness yeah. that yeah, deepen like the, your heart for him. Like yeah. the scripture says that you know we triumph by the blood of the lamb that... We try mm-hmm. by placing our trust in Him. That's-